0: for joining us you know about once a month usually in the middle of the month we do an update of the outlook situation we take all the events that we've been thinking about over the last four or five weeks we summarize it it's not a webinar but it's something that we provide to the AEI premium subscribers you don't have to register you don't have to wait to watch it as some odd time in the middle of the day. We just provide this for you as we break down the latest and want to share that with you. So today, Brent, we're going to talk about the corn and soybean situation. We're in the growing season and a lot of moving parts. I'm going to cover the highlights and I'll let you cover the hard stuff here on the balance sheet for for corn This is just easy just to go look at this WASD balance sheet for corn. The big number here is 181.8 is the current estimate for the 2020 corn crop. That's up from 178.5. We asked in the forecast network questions the probability of getting over 180, and that occurred in this report, and a lot of people were expecting that. So I don't think a lot of people were surprised um, by this this particular yield number. A lot of moving parts here, but a lesson that Brent always reminds me is when you make the crop bigger, the USDA also increases usage. And when the crop shrinks, you pull back usage. And so we also saw the usage number come up uh, here's a quick snapshot of where the stocks to use situation is. We're at 18.7 percent, almost 19 percent stocks to use. That's a big number. That is a uh, a lot larger number than what we'd like to see historically, maybe 13 or 14 percent historically. It's improved from where we were back in May, but it, and it's but it's not as good as where we were last year at 16 percent.
1: You know, it's really crept up there, and uh, it's something to keep in mind. I wrote an article quite a while ago. If you go back into the um, the archives on the deeper dive, you can find the article about what does a 20% stocks to use ratio look like for prices. And I think USDA has given you a little bit of a glimpse of that because they're showing a season average price around 310, which is considerably lower than we've seen for a while. So it's hard to get with this kind of stocks to use situation, uh, hard to get real excited about upside on prices, although the market has rallied a little bit, I think in part from the windstorm. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But I think the, the fundamentals are telling us, you know, it's a big crop. Uh, we're going to have ample supplies. I just don't think there's any other way to couch it as supplies are likely to be. Even if you start ramping up You know, exports substantially, which they have been pretty strong in part because of the weak dollar. It's going to be hard to get that stock's use ratio down anywhere below, you know, even last year. Put
0: some context around that 181.8 estimate. On a weekly basis, Dr. Jeff Young provides this crop condition model update. He plugged in the latest crop conditions. They've turned lower. You can read his latest article, but as you can see, that latest USDA estimate is right in the middle of where those models have been forecasting. And so uh, if you've been following along with that, there's a lot of insight that can be gleaned from this. It's another data point to help improve your decision-making, but it's sort of right here, trending right in the middle.
1: Pay attention to those models. They're they're information. They're not perfect, but uh, they are indicating maybe, you know, the crops softened a little bit lately, but again, still likely to be pretty substantial.
0: How big is 181.8? I hear, I saw on Twitter, a lot of a lot of folks using the word monster to describe the size of, of this crop. And don't get distracted by that. So 181.8 would be the biggest number the USDA has ever printed. But that's not a good way of thinking about the size of a crop because of the, the trend in, in yields over time. In the yield guides that we publish every year, we line up all of the past departure from trends and we size the crops up by that, that departure from trend. And so 181 in 2020 terms is at the 68th percentile. And so there have been about 10 crops that are larger. I guess for me, uh, maybe Brent disagrees, you have to use 190 bushels for a yield and that 97 million acres that we were expected to be planted back in May. That would start to get you into that monster corn category. And so We share this because don't let that sort of distort your thinking and how
1: you size up the crop and go about your decision making in light of these USDA reports. I think that's a good point because there's so much information out there and it's all presented in soundbite form today. I mean, there's no very little kind of deeper analysis that you see of any of this stuff. So you can look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, it's a record corn crop yield wise. So it must be absolutely huge. Well, yeah, it is a record, but you, you forget just how good, if you took the 2004 crop relative to trend, uh, you'd be at 194. I mean, that's 15 bushel an acre higher than where we're sitting today. So I think it's really important to digest all this short-term soundbite information we get and really think about it and don't, don't just be emotional about it. Regardless though, we're still sitting at a big stocks to use ratio and, and there's, there's no way around that.
0: So I guess the combination of that August report dropping and now all this questions about the storms in Iowa, and maybe stop and wonder how accurate are corn and soybean yield estimates. And there's an article on the premium side that you should go check out and read. There's a lot more than we're going to cover here, but it's, it's really interesting to look at. So This first, the first chart we have in these articles is a look at the air in the corn yield forecast at different points in time. We looked at, if you just took the trend yield, if you took the May Wazdi yield, if you took the forecasts or the estimates in August, September, October, November, and we compared all of those. And what you see as you move through that that growing season of estimates, uh, that air starts to shrink. And the August report for corn starts to take out some of the the big years, uh, like that really big crop in 04, that really poor crop in 2012. But this article really surprised me, it was eye-opening. Twice in the past 20 years, we've had a change between August and final that was larger than 10 bushels. One time it was 10 bushels higher, one time it was 10 bushels lower. And about 30% of the time, the changes from the August forecast are larger than five bushels, plus, you know, both directions, five bushels higher or five bushels lower. In fact, you have to get to that September or November to really start to get the air shrunk down quite a bit. I just found this to be really interesting to think about. I changed my expectations about the forecast that we have in the forecast network question about that November yield. I realized in putting this together, we have a lot less confidence about, forecasts, about the yield today than what I initially thought. We're still talking multiple bushels. And the market's really hyper-focused on a bushel or two changes in the estimate. And we're looking at something that could be a lot bigger than that.
1: I think that's an important thing to remember. Just, you know, there's still quite a bit of uncertainty left here on the corn yield side. And so don't just assume it, it may turn out they don't move it hardly at all. History would tell us there is a decent chance you could see a several bushel move in that estimate in the August report, and even some in September. By the time you get to October, that suckers, they're narrowed in pretty good. What's the range of possible
0: outcomes? You know, this really stuck out to me. There's an 83% chance that we are within the range of 175 and 190 bushel. That is a (laughs) huge That's, this is history. This is not the error of, of the models that we're putting together. This is the error what we've seen between August forecast in the past and where we are today. And of course, what makes that up? Well, it's how the crop finishes with an asterisk for 2020 in the Iowa situation. And it's also you know, errors in the model. And so we, we can't untangle those. We just have to recognize we're in a scenario here where there's a lot more uncertainty than we probably, the market would lead you to think based on how much they're looking at bushel changes. Shifting gears here, we're going to work through the soybean situation. Big increase in the yield up to 53.3. And we were talking about this earlier, the ending stock situation from 400 million bushels, 425 up to 610. That is a really big change in the balance sheet for soybeans and not in a favorable direction.
1: Yeah, almost a 50% increase, right, in ending stocks on soybeans. That was a number that really caught my eye when this came out. So that's a big, big number. The thing, though, David, that you pointed out to me as we were talking is pretty interesting. Uh, stocks to use ratio is actually better, though, than say it was here. I mean, we had almost identical ending stocks in 19, but the usage was a lot less. And so the good news is that the usage is quite a bit higher than it was back there in 19, in part due to the, you know, 500 million bushel almost increase in in exports so it's just important to remember that yeah that number does look awful compared to this one but it's maybe not as bad as it would have been had we not had the better export numbers so you know even even we kind of joked you know 835 we actually might trigger a plc payment on on soybeans which we've never seen before um so we'll we'll see
0: We're going to talk a little bit about that soybean yield estimate of 53.3. It's well above where these crop condition models have been forecasting over the entire growing season. And a lot of attention on this monster 181 number, which is at the 68th percentile, right? But if you take this 53.3 and you line it up as a departure from trend, it's the 91st percentile. It is a large crop, not a whole lot of attention going to that at this point. It'd be the third largest departure from trend in in almost, I guess, in more than 30 years, 32 years. We should put a little asterisk beside this because I also looked at the errors here. And the error in the August estimate is really large for soybeans. It surprised me. You can read the article. In fact, you can make an argument that that. August estimate for soybeans is not much more accurate than maybe that trend or that May WASDE number. We have to get to October before those yields start to nail in and even an air in October two bushel isn't out of the range
1: of, of expectations. Right. So Sure it sure looks like there seems to be a slight tendency to overestimate in August what the bean yields are gonna be if you just look at those those errors. You know, it looks like there's a few more negatives than there are positives and then reality there's a lot of uncertainty out there about the soybean crop yet, and I think everybody understands that the August rains are really, really important for soybeans, and it's going to take USD a while to get zeroed in on that. So don't sleep on the risk on the soybean, either upside or downside.
0: And I think some positive story here is the markets actually moved a higher after that report and that big number. So we'll see how that plays out two additional considerations we want to mention the first one is iowa the storms and the satellite images we wrote an article about that you should take a look at that if you really want to dive into that we tried to provide some frameworks to help narrow in your thinking there's a lot of information out there and it's very powerful and it might be misleading our thinking sort of how do you back out to that the next one i have a couple slides talking about the prevent plant acreage i think this is one of the most under reported stories out there right now so brent you want to talk about the prevent plant right now, or do you want to talk about the Iowa situation a I, little bit?
1: I just wanted to say something about the Iowa situation. I think this is a really good quote. I mean, the, the maps and everything are pretty vivid. If you have not read that article, I encourage you to read it. We don't make an estimate as to how much the damage is, but we warn you to kind of really think through some of the material and the implications you're getting from some of that 10-minute information on the internet. Some of those numbers are are not that sensible in our opinion. I'll let you handle the prevent plan.
0: Yes, I'll read the quote here for those that are listening on the podcast. It's sometimes very vivid, extreme evidence misleads you on the deeper reality. You have to be guarded against that all your life. In fact, the whole trick in life is to get so that your own brain doesn't mislead you. And that's from Charlie Munger. And I think that's just a really important thing to keep in mind is that in my mind, I know that some of those maps, maps are the quickest way to fool me. If you want to fool me with something, yeah. you can do it with a map really quickly. And so when we see those those satellite images or we see those Twitter pictures, that is a quick way to fool me. And so this is mainly maybe just me talking to myself or Britt and I talking to each ourselves. But it's really important to think about how that influences your thinking and what it really tells you.
1: Uh, We overweight that information. I mean, it's information. We're not going to say that, you know, the satellite image that you can see, you know, a difference in color on crop conditions isn't information. It is information. But I think we have to really step back and think what does that information really tell us and how much weight do we really want to put on it as we evaluate it. And so read the article. I think it was pretty good.
0: So one of the most underweighted story here is the prevent plant situation. We were scratching our heads back in June when the USDA lowered that corn number a lot, but didn't really change the soybean number. So how did that happen? Well, if you look at the FSA's initial prevent plant data for 2020, corn and soybean prevent plant acres are in line to be the large second largest that we've seen going back to 2007. So we have the second biggest prevent plant situation for corn and soybeans in the past almost 15 years, 13 years. Not a whole lot of market chatter about this. Of course, we're in the shadow of the big number in 2019, but I guess I didn't, I might've missed this, right? I didn't see there's going to be an above average amount of prevent plant here in 2020. What are the implications for looking ahead? And this article that we wrote, we took a look at what's actual acreage planting and we combined corn and soybean acres. And then if you assumed a normal prevent plant scenario, what would that look like? And so we're in a situation where when you adjust for prevent plant corn and soybean acres continue to trend higher and this is something that i've been kind of rounding up to 180 million and this helped me dial them my thinking a little bit but we keep seeing this corn and soybean crop getting bigger and bigger each year and it sets the tone for what might be in 2021 and i guess 180 million acres happened a couple of years ago and when we had a very low amount of prevent plant we actually have more acres going to corn and soybeans today we've just had above average prevent plant situation. And so this is a chart you're going to want to look at because a lot of moving parts here. But if we come into a scenario next year or the year down after that, where we have a low amount of prevent plant. We could have a giant crop out there. And I don't think we've, we've really
1: thought about that a lot. Yeah, it's something to keep in mind for next year, for sure.
0: Wrapping up here, the gasoline situation still worth keeping an eye on. We're going to update the data on that. We're still waiting for additional direct payment information from the USDA and Congress on our radar screens, the net farm income update is going to happen in early September. That's going to be interesting to see how that drops with all of the changes, including way more direct payments than we expected and maybe even more to come. And then on September the 11th, Friday is the next WASI report. So Brent, I'll let you wrap up with any final thoughts you have.
1: You've hit most of, we talked about a lot of the other stuff in the macro outlook uh, the other day, but uh, the gasoline consumption data are kind of pointing to a little bit of a stalled recovery. On the other hand, stock market roaring along. And it's one of those things you, you look at and you go, well, this isn't rational, but but the market probably is, and they seem to be more optimistic about the future than maybe some of us. So maybe need to update our thinking a little bit on that. Things might be turning a corner here. That would be good news. The government payment thing, it's been silenced crickets on that. I think they approved the second part of the CFAP payments for the people that had stored grain, but haven't said anything about what else might be coming so something to keep your keep your eye on uh as that stuff works its way through congress if it doesn't come through congress will usda just go ahead and spend the rest of the money that they have in the ccc which is more than likely probably what they're going to do but who knows so definitely worth keeping an eye on And just to, I feel
0: like I'm beating this dead horse a little bit, but there has been no direct payment program announced in this ad hoc format outside of ARC and PLC for the 2020 growing corn, soybean, and wheat crop. And I think that's going to be a really big factor as to how this year wraps up when it comes to the net farm income story and the whole farm financial
1: situation. Absolutely. It's going to, I mean, that's going to swing it one way or the other because the prices do not look to be at a level that are favorable for most people without some aid check out the articles we've posted keep visiting back we're going to
0: keep updating again once a month we're going to update this as the Wazi reports come out thanks for joining us thanks for following along we'll catch you next week thanks so much
1: thank you